And I went home and I sat down with John and I said, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. I'm Leanna. I am Jared. This is a very special episode. I am very excited about this episode. I am actually really excited too. I want you guys to know how much anxiety I've been having mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for two years of <laughs> 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 ever starting this podcast. You know, I, I've, I've always wanted to, I knew I wanted to share my story, but there's just so much like pain and trauma and vulnerability that comes with that. But I'm like, I'm ready. So we'll get more into that yes. in a second. Um, so really quick, I it would like mean the world to us if you guys would support us on social media, mm -hmm. follow us on Instagram at hello by podcast. You can find us on Twitter at hello underscore by underscore pod. We have a YouTube channel. We're going to mm -hmm. post this video on YouTube. So go subscribe, check it out. And then really like the biggest thing is you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. Yes. You can also rate on Spotify now. Yes, please do. Yeah, so all of those things help this podcast grow. And I, I guess another thing that like would be really special to us is if you shared this episode with one or maybe two friends that you think would impact them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like this is gonna be a very shareable episode. It's, <laughs> it is going to be a very shareable episode. A very special episode. A very special. <laughs> okay, so I am also super excited to talk about VFresh mm -hmm. because I found something within the products that is new for me. Really? Yes. Okay, so I saw this in, so VFresh has a Facebook group called called V Babes. Mm -hmm. It's like the most supportive group ever. You should go join it on Facebook, especially if you have like any issues with UTIs or infections or just like sex questions or whatever. It's like so supportive. But someone posted that they started using the V Gentle, which mm -hmm. is like the wash yep. for your lady. Yes. On Arts. their face for hormone acne. Interesting. And my hormone acne has been fucking out of control in the last few months. Like mm. the worst, like I I went on Accutane in my late 20s. Mm -hmm. My skin has been great. And then all of a sudden, like the last year, it's really just gotten really bad. So I did a few things. I completely cut out dairy mm -hmm. because I noticed I would break out more when I had a lot of dairy. Mm -hmm. And then I use um, a gel called Epiduo. So <laughs> we are not sponsored by them. You have to get it from your dermatologist. If your insurance doesn't cover it, um, ask for samples, oh, but yeah. I use that on my trouble areas. And then I've been using the V gentle wash on my face. Look how amazing my face looks. You're positively radiant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now this is not doctor approved. <laughs> this is not even V fresh. Like they, this is not what they market it for. But I, I, it's been like a month and it's been working for me. That's awesome. So I don't know, like Your maybe- Your skin does look great. I was not like bullshitting. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it could also be the Botox and the Retin-A, but- <laughs> Well, you know. Um, and then also I popped in a V-Cleanse last night because I had some fun. 
and oh. I just wanted to make sure that my pH was okay. So B cleanse okay. is a pure boric acid suppository. Mm -hmm. um, I had infections for like the longest time. I use them like once a week to for maintenance or if I have sex or if I, you know, or period stuff or whatever. Yeah. Anything that's going to throw it off. They also have V wipes. They have a UTI like supplement to help like prevent UTIs. Mm -hmm. Cannot recommend them enough. I'm obsessed and obsessed with Natasha. She's the owner. It's a female owned business. Yes. And um, very women empowering. So if you want 10% off your first order, you're going to use code hello2022 and go to vfresh.com. V is V-E-E. So vfresh.com, use code hello2022, 10% off your order, but it's the first order. So order in bulk because you're gonna love the product. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so are you gonna clue us in on this uh, yeah, 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 fun yeah. that you had? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I went on a date last night. Okay. And um, we had kind of seen each other at like a business here in Redlands. Okay. We were both kind of frequent. And we ended up like meeting one day and kind of talking. And um, we met and played cards. And then we met again. And I, I, I was just kind of thinking like, let's just like see what the vibe is and mm -hmm. maybe start on like a friendship level. Um, and then I kind of... I kind of like reached out to him because he's, there's an age gap. Okay. <laughs> he's younger? Yes. <laughs> you guys know me. I like my younger guys. Um, and I was just like, what do you think? Like, do you feel a romantic vibe? Like, is that something you want to explore? Or I said, or we could just be friends. Like, I don't, I, I kind of like, where are you at? Here's where I'm at. Yeah. And he was like, well, he's like, I'm open to either. He's like, why don't we do a dinner date and we'll see and go from there. And oh. I'm like, I love that response. Okay. Like very yeah, mature. Yeah. And so we went out to dinner. He paid. He would like open my doors for me. Like very gentlemanly. Mm. The conversation was great. We were laughing all night. We went and played pool. We met this amazing group of older women that were like all friends. Yeah. And I told them I want to be a part of their group. Yeah, And join. I gave them their number and they're going to invite me to dinner. Let's go. That's the real win. I know. No matter what happens with this dude, if you like have a badass like crew of older, older women, lady friends. Like in their 60s and 70s. Yes, let's go. That yeah, would be amazing. Yeah. I'll bring you with me because yeah, they would yeah, love yeah, you. In. Pull me in. Get me the invite. Um. So anyway, and I, there's like definitely some like flirting and chemistry and I was like, okay, we're definitely going to make out tonight. Yeah. So anyway, so he walks into my car and he kisses me and we're kind of like kissing a little bit and I just, it was so in my head. I was just like, I don't know. He's like young and like, I'm not sure that there's a future here. And like, I know myself and I know like, I kind of want to like go back to my office and have like a nice makeout session. And like, uh, but okay. then like, what does that leads to here? And like, you know, like, I don't know. And I was just in my head. So <laughs> we'd be kissing for maybe like a couple minutes. I was like, <laughs> I was like okay. <laughs> just jumped in the car and shut the door. And like through the through the closed window, you're like, thank you for a, a nice time as you're starting up the car. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, good night. And I was thinking it'd be like fun and flirty. And he, the look on his face was just like, what? <laughs> he was like so like bewildered. Yes. That's great. So then I got in my car and I'm thinking like, 
That was so awkward, Leanna. What were you doing? So I drove around to him. He was getting ready to go in a car. And I was like, hey, can we talk? <laughs> no, that's funny. I was, because I was thinking, I'm like, that's kind of a cool move. Like, if you're like, you know, because then, like, it's not like you were rude to him or unfriendly or whatever. But, you know, you're like, it's, it's good to leave the other person wanting more, I guess. I don't but know. But I, I, th I guess I could have been more like, hey, can we leave it at that? Like, thank you so much. Sure. You know, and I was yeah. just like, okay, bye. <laughs> Yeah, because, okay, I see what you're saying, because he could yeah. be standing there being like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, exactly, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so okay. I wanted to make sure that he knew, like, it was, you know. So anyway, he got in the car, and I was just telling him, I was like, I'm so sorry, that was so awkward. We had, like, a good laugh about it, and then and then we just very talked very openly about, like, hey, like, there's probably not a future here. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like. So you, who's, who said that? Um, I think I started that, like we started talking cause he had said, you know, he's might be moving and, mm -hmm. um, we've got some like some lifestyle differences mm -hmm. and some what belief differences. Okay. Like he's more moderate, um, which is like fine, sure. but maybe on the more conservative side of moderate, yeah. I don't know. And like, <laughs> this is so dumb, but, um, there's like the best like birria tacos at the place where we went Ooh. to dinner and he didn't like them. <laughs> done. We're done here. No, I'm just being dumb. But anyway, so we kind of like, it was good. We kind of cleared the air and I think yeah. we both felt like some pressure off. Yeah, yeah. And so then we started making out again and like, I was like, let's go back to my office. And then- Oh, of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. And um, yeah, there was like, we didn't have sex, but there was like some fooling around. And sure. so, um, yeah, I, I don't feel any certain way about it. I mean, I laugh, I woke up today, like kind of laughing at how awkward I was and thinking like, am I just like an awkward person? <laughs> Cause I was very quirky. I, I, I'm also in my head too, about like wanting to make sure I show up as myself on dates now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I think it just like was overthinking everything and Anyway, it like there was definitely awkward at times and I really think I was the main cause of that. But um, but yeah, like I'm totally want to be his friend and like if we like make out again, like I'm not going to be upset about it. Sure. Um so yeah, that's how I feel. Oh, that's fun. What about you? Uh so because when because I had to make a profile to yes. when we went on we met at Acme. Yeah. Uh, you guys could go check it out. Yes. We were on We Met at Acme. Which is a cool podcast, and the like host, Lindsay Metzlar, is yeah. super cool. Yeah. Uh, she's been on our show twice. Mm hmm And so, uh, I think when we last recorded, I was saying, like, I was, like, sort of dipping my toe in. So, I've had, I had, like, a couple conversations. I had a couple FaceTime or phone chats with people. Okay. <laughs> this is more than a dip. This is, like, a... Yeah, a well, full... I'm I'm already out. Oh, <laughs> I already I already like paused my profile, and I'm like, mm. and actually, it's good because I fe I feel like I was very self aware during this whole time of like, well, sure, maybe like let me explore and see if I find something, and then nothing really clicked with the two people I talked with, and then you know like, there was other people that I had liked who then like liked back, you know, and now it's like my turn to start the conversation, and I'm like, I'm not like. Excited yeah. about any of this, yeah. And I think it's it's certainly not them. Like they all seem very lovely, but um, I'm just like mm, I don't really want to start putting a lot of my like time and attention mm -hmm. and energy into this. So I was like, goodbye. Yeah. Um, you deleted it or put it on pause? Pause. Okay. Yeah. So mine are on pause too. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm like over it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, here's the weird thing. I, speaking of like, you just had somebody, this date you just described happened because you and this person crossed paths in real life mm -hmm. and started talking, right? And I was talking to a female friend of mine and she was saying, she was talking about how men hit on her like in traffic. What? Like guys like, like, I don't know, like wave at her, like whatever. I don't know. And she's like, like 90% of the time I just ignore it. But she had like one story where like this guy was like really good looking. And anyway, turned out he was married, of course. Wow. Um, Not surprised. Yeah. But, but then, but the funny thing was yesterday I was at the farmer's market, which is where I go every Saturday morning. Yeah. And I was like getting in my car. And right as I get in, my, you know, I finish putting my like veggies in my car and then I get in, I sit down in the driver's seat and I look up and there was this woman coming down the sidewalk who was like wearing a dress and carrying this like little farmer's market basket and was like beautiful. And she like full on like, like made eye contact with me like the whole time she walked by. And I was like, I was like almost like sort of like got out of my car and like started a conversation but then I was like nah I don't know you know like I didn't know if I was like yeah so like who you know she she could have been wearing a ring and I didn't see right. it whatever, yeah. whatever but so but I think that has me thinking more about like meeting people in like, real life yeah. over that's how I apps. feel yeah. yeah I mean they're both great like we we've, we've always said that yeah but, well and if that's meant to be yeah. you'll cross her path again there you go yeah I know yeah um really quick on that so we are doing like submissions for a 15 minute zoom date oh yeah with each of us but they're due by march 1st so like real quick after this episode airs so like dm at how long by podcast on on instagram tell us why you want to date either jared or may yeah you have to be okay with it being recorded and posted yep so you know that's part of it um and then the last thing is like look at our cute merch yeah, yeah! we have merch it's on the website com slash shop. Yeah, I appreciate that on a lot of it, we've got the full color logo that has the like blue and red on the popsicle. And then you you do these cool like monochrome ones that are more like, I, I would say more like dude friendly. Sure, totally. Right? Yeah. 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 So before we start, um, we just want to give a quick trigger warning. Mm -hmm. um, we do talk about suicide, mental health, and spiritual abuse. Yeah, spiritual trauma. Yeah, it can be, um, it's a pretty raw story at times. So if you're in a place in your life where hearing, you know, depictions of that might be really upsetting to you, then maybe wait and listen to this episode at another time when you feel like you're in a better place to hear things about those topics. Yes. And um, we, if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health or suicidal thoughts, um, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. Okay. Anyway, okay. So we are going to do the third part of your story. Mm -hmm. Third and final. Third and final. Plus continued. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they will bring us up to now. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And um, so I, I went back and listened to my story part two to figure out like where we left off. Mm -hmm. And a lot of stuff like jumped out to me, but I, where do you want to start? Well, at the end of my story part two, well, first of all, I would say, if you haven't listened to either of those, like you'll be fine. You know, yes. like I'm, you know, basically it's like kind of my childhood and my conservative Christian upbringing. 
getting married at 21, so super young, having kind of a difficult marriage, still being a part of the Christian church is a big part of our life, mm -hmm. um, becoming adults together. We had a house and animals and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say like five or six years into our marriage, I can't remember exactly, but I, I fell out of love mm -hmm. and, um, and f was feeling trapped. And, and that feeling of being trapped was kind of present at different parts of the marriage. And we had did some counseling. Mm -hmm. We had done some counseling. Did I just say we had did? Well, we did some counseling. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then one day, I we sat at the kitchen table and I said, I don't feel in love anymore. Hmm. And that's kind of where we ended, I right? I think so, yeah. And yeah. so the, can I tell you the things that really jumped out to yeah. me? So number one, I think it was, you know, you shared this feeling when you were like at the altar of mm -hmm. like this like moment of like this urge to like run away. Mm -hmm. And then you shared how hostile like some like his father and other members of his family were. Mm -hmm. And like that you all weren't sure if like someone was going to object like in the middle of the ceremony. Mm -hmm. Right. And then on top of that, you shared a little bit later that you would have these recurring nightmares of falling in love with someone else mm -hmm. and being trapped now because you're married mm -hmm. and, and kind of having these like crushes and mm -hmm. things like that. And, and I think what struck me so much knowing you and all of your journey up until now is like, you know, you were so young given your upbringing, like there's so many people who we, we get so focused on like what we should do or like following the script or what everyone expects us expects of us or whatever that we're not even aware that we're maybe not listening to ourselves in a way. Mm -hmm. And it really felt like all of those things that I just mentioned, like stuck out to me as like, wow, like there was a whole part of you that like you couldn't even like recognize or have access to. I like, did, did it, does that resonate with you or like, what do you think? Yeah, so definitely. So it, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting, like, to think about it now, because I've really just pushed a lot of it down. Yeah. Because it was a really, like, not happy time of my life. Of course. And, you know, it's, I mean, I, I think that my ex-husband, should we give him a name? Let's give him a name so I'm not, the whole time I'm not like, my ex-husband. Uh, like, a, what's a mo later millennial name? <laughs> oh, like, uh. Later millennial is an older millennial or? Yeah, older millennial like Gen X. I don't know. Uh, Kyle? No, I can't do Kyle. I have can't a good friend. can't be Kyle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Steve? Just do like John or something? John. Okay. So, um, so John, this is weird. So John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I believe he is a very, a good person. You're both very good people. I, I know that from personal experience, yeah. right? Yes. I believe he is a good person, um, but he had his issues. Yes. As did I have my issues. Um, but, you know, it was not a happy marriage. I was not happy. I, I was not able to express myself or be really accepted for who I was. Um, I was thinking about this. I don't know if I said this in my story part two, but like one time he sat down with me and like a neighbor friend, like a couple, and they sat down and told me they were all embarrassed by me in public. 
The three of them? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was just, there was just stuff that I was like, to be fair, I was doing some kind of cringy things. Like I was much more loud and outspoken and like unfiltered. And, okay. but I mean, I was just like who I was and I guess I was like unhappy, yeah. you know? And, and so I don't know. Um, sorry. Does that answer no, your question? No, I think that's, yeah. And I mean, and that's one of, you know, another thing that you mentioned that felt poignant to me is like, you know, when you all went to counseling and stuff, cause you, you had the awareness of, Hey, I don't think this is really working well for either of us. Like, let's try to do something about it. And you being the achiever that you are, like took that really seriously. And, you know, you described that his kind of method of doing things was a little more like passive aggressive. So I, I think what you said is like, you know, instead of like saying like, Hey, this really bothers me or whatever, he would just sort of like be mean to you. Yeah, he was mean. Yeah. He was mean. And, um, kind of like sarcastic sort of cutting, like, you know, like, like in those ways or, um, very resentful and, um, very stonewally. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, like the, just had a mean side of him, which, and I don't think he's a mean person. No. Right. And I think that's what happens when two people are trapped in something that's not making either of them happy and they don't know how to get out. Yeah. And all of the sort of scripts and like, like rules in your lives as, you know, very devout Christians at the time, like that form of Christianity, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, say that you just have to figure it out. But no one's actually ever giving you the tools to actually like figure it out and make yeah. it better, right? Yeah. 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 And you know, he he his father or stepfather mm -hmm. was is one of the worst people I've ever met in my life. Mm. And I can't imagine what it was like growing up with that. Yeah. So I think there was just a lot of undealt stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, and um it played into our, our marriage. He had a lot of really deep anger. He was angry. Mm. And, um, you know, but I was always the one that was seen as the angry one because I was the one that would raise my voice or, like, get kind of heated or passionate. Yeah. And he wouldn't. And so it would kind of be like, oh, you know, Leanna is, like, the angry one. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah. So Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's just like a little bit of context, mm -hmm. like, because if people haven't listened in a while and stuff like that. So that brings us to, now it's, so you were married for a total of... Eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. Yeah. And so how many years in do you sit down at the table and say, hey, I don't think... So either five or six. Okay. I think more, probably more towards, towards six. Yep. And when I said that, he agreed to go back into, like, intensive therapy again. Okay. Um... And so we did. And so we went back to therapy and he still didn't really take it seriously. Mm -hmm. But so he agreed because he didn't want to lose you. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think of how long we were in therapy. I feel like it just kind of put a bandaid on things mm -hmm. for a while. You know, we tried reading a book and we tried doing like a devotional and, you know, I was like still, we were crazy involved in the church. I mean, I was on the worship team. We were hosting Bible studies and you know, all of this stuff. And so it's like, part of that is like, you know, he was in men's groups and yeah. I was hanging out with women and that was supposed to like help our marriage and, and mm. all of that. And so 
I think we kind of got to a point where we didn't want to pay for therapy anymore because we were like paying out of pocket. Yeah. And I felt like we had put a Band-Aid on it enough to like just keep on. Yeah. But I was deep in yoga, Mm -hmm. like deep in yoga. I mean, yoga teacher now teaching a bunch of classes and he, you know, he had had a lot of like really bad injuries that he required a lot of surgeries. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he really was in pain a lot. And so mm-hmm. he couldn't do what he really wanted to do, which was like play soccer and mm-hmm. um, and go do some things. But he kind of, he got into rock climbing and we basically created two separate lives. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. We went in two separate directions. He had his work and rock climbing friends and I had my yoga friends and piano and and then church was really like the only place that we went together. And we also always struggled financially. Like we never knew how to save money. Yeah. Um, we were always putting stuff on credit cards. So that was all, always a burden, yeah. you know? Um, and then I felt burdened because I was always in charge of the finances and I was always the one cleaning and I was always the one in charge of fucking everything. Like yeah. I was just, I was like mom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he mm-hmm. cooked but that was it yeah you know like and so that gets really it becomes like you become unattracted to your partner when you're taking care of them yeah well and i mean and it's just you know you guys were kids you were you had just turned 21 when you got married and he was what 22 yeah and i initiated everything i mean i i mean he yeah i mean i initiated everything everything like i asked him like are we going to be boyfriend girlfriend i said should we get married i helped him pick out the ring like Mm -hmm. then i planned the wedding then i found the house then i put the house together and i planned the party and everything yeah so then it's no surprise that in the marriage like you're doing everything yeah arranging well because i didn't give him any space yeah yeah. you know and that is part of that is on me yeah you know and and i think he he can be kind of lazy Mm-hmm. And so I think he was more than happy to go into that role. Yeah. But I'm sure that some of that's emasculating. Sure. And um, so anyway, I just became less and less attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And we were fighting a lot. I remember we were fighting a lot. So this is coming up. So you're eight now. Um, we were fighting a lot. And, you know, I had found out a, about a credit card that he had opened behind my back and put a couple thousand dollars on it. Mm. Um And, you know, there was some other financial stuff throughout the marriage, which I also don't blame him for because I was so controlling. Yeah. Like it was so controlling. And I think I had more financial freedom than he did. And part of it is because I didn't trust him because of like, there was something that came to our door. Did I talk about this in my story part two? There was like a $10,000 like thing that showed up two months after we got married because he stopped paying on a car. Wow, no. So then that was traumatizing. Yeah. You know, like 21, no money, and all of a sudden you owe two thousand or $10,000 to collections. Wow, yeah. And then it turns out, well, he never had car insurance. And then, you know, so like he just, he didn't, it's almost like I helped him become an adult. Yeah. You I know? think a lot of women can relate to that, mm-hmm. you know, who are in heterosexual relationships with men, like guys mature later and a lot of them sort of you know there's a lot of you know dudes who are like 40 and 50 who are still like man children i know you know yeah yeah so anyway um we were still having sex but i wasn't really 
got into it and um, we had stopped counseling. Um, and I remember, I remember just the last few months of just feeling so disconnected. Yeah. I didn't want to be in the marriage. He was like very reclusive. Um, I remember, you know, cause we were like super Christian. Like I had never smoked pot. We didn't drink a lot. I was also mm. controlling with that. Like I didn't want him drinking at home mm -hmm. and cause it scared me because like, I didn't want like to be in a relationship with someone who like always needed three drinks at nighttime. Mm -hmm. And, but again, like it was controlling behavior. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I remember we went to a party and I found out a few days later that he had eaten a, like a cookie gummy. Like a, okay. With like his, a pot brownie with or his, something. With some friends. Yeah. And just didn't tell me. Yeah. And like, I was really like hurt by that because mm -hmm. it's like, why, why wh let's do like, it together. Why keep it yeah. Secret, like right? why keep yeah. it secret? Like, why am I finding out from this from someone else? Yeah. And so I just was like, that was really like at that point, that was in July of 2015. Mm -hmm. It just, I was like done. Yeah. I mean, I, I can relate to like, I was with my college girlfriend for like a total of three years and to the point where after I graduated, I like moved to Louisiana and we were like, like pretty much living together. And it just like you slowly over time start like living a complete lie. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, you know, like caught myself like really cherishing like time that I had to myself. Mm -hmm. And, but yet it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I want to break up, but I'm going to lie about it. Like you're so caught up in, in like, well, this is the person that I'm in love with. And of mm -hmm. course we have to make it work and like whatever. So you just, you almost don't even recognize it or admit it to yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, and, and. Some other things, like, because he had some controlling sides of him, too. He would get really angry with me if I wasn't home 10 minutes after my yoga class ended. Mm. Or texted him right away or whatever. And it's like, well, right after your yoga class ends doesn't mean you get to, like, get in your car and drive home. Yeah, like, people want to stay and talk to, talk to you. People. And, like, yeah, yeah. and so he became kind of jealous and of, like, my yoga stuff. Yeah. But he never came to class. I yeah. always asked him. He never wanted to come to class. Yeah. And um, I remember, like, our fights were, there was no resolving anything. We, I mean, we would fight till midnight, 1 a.m. And I just remember, like, I would be in tears and he would stonewall me and not talk to me. And I would beg him to talk to me, to mm. work it out. I said, I don't want to go to bed angry. I don't want to go to bed angry. And he would like ignore me. And then I remember the morning after every time he would sit right next to me and he would apologize and he would say, you know, it's not going to happen again. Like, I'm so sorry, you know, but we never got to the root of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a cycle. And I would, I would be, I was walking on eggshells to like not, let that happen again. Yeah. But I knew something I did would like upset him. Like, like he was big into video games, 
which was also mm-hmm. a huge turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. And he would sit there and play for hours and I wasn't allowed to talk to him. Mm. Like if I asked him a question, he would get mad at me and then not speak to me for the rest of the day. Mm. I remember like he was really possessive about food, which I think is why I'm like such a food sharer today. Yeah. But like he would make a sandwich. He'd ask me like, hey, Liana, you do, do you want a sandwich or whatever? And I'd be like, no, I'm fine. And then he'd make a sandwich and I'd be like, actually, that looks really good. Can I have a bite? And then he would be like, just take the whole thing. And he would like storm off and be mad at me for the rest of the day. Like it was like so weird. Like it was just, it was such like yeah. little things. But but really probably what it was is he didn't feel like freedom. Like he, yeah, it's, like it's, his own, yes. you know. Like disconnection and mistrust. And it's just all resentment. Like resentment, yeah. resentment, you know, like it just, and then when that builds up, like it's so hard to then you just get frustrated at everything the other person is mm-hmm. doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was, wasn't there like, because I remember a couple of your birthday parties when you were still married. Mm-hmm. Well, you're there... thinking you're thinking of the one that we'll get to in a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that was coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, okay, so I'm going to go into the hard stuff now. Okay. And and I'm going to cry. <laughs> okay. I know for sure. Um, and, and you know I <laughs> tissues ready. <laughs> um, and I also am very terrified of judgment. And mm-hmm. um, and so I guess you know I can ask you guys to have an open mind and to try and have empathy towards me. But you're going to think whatever you're going to think. Sure. And um, this is my story and I'm, and I'm owning it. And I'm finally like coming to that realization. Like I, I, I was thinking about it. I've kind of been stifling myself. Hmm. Like of being so, like so much shame and secrecy and like fear of like sharing this. Absolutely. So um, that's where I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. So. So July was kind of, July of 2015 was the worst we'd ever been. I mean, mm. so disconnected, fighting all the time, doing things behind each other's back, some, you know, jealousy of texting me all the time, wondering why I'm not texting back, like stuff like that. Um, we had three dogs and two cats between us. That's we right. could never say no to an animal. Yeah. So we had adopted Olive in March, I think. And, um, Olive was my baby. Mm-hmm. And so I took her to the dog park all the time because she had so much energy. Yeah. Um, and I remember going to the dog park with my mom and there was this guy at the dog park mm-hmm. that kept kind of looking my way and he's short, like real muscular, yeah. you know? And I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, that's not really, you know, I don't know why he's looking at me. Yeah. You know, it's a frame. Like, cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I remember I kept seeing him and he started coming over and talking to me. Mm-hmm. And there was no attraction for me. Like, I'm not attracted to short. I'm not really into big muscles. Like, yeah. so I was just like, oh, he's just like a nice person. You know, he was married. Talked mm-hmm. about how he had a baby on the way. Um, and he was an MMA fighter. Okay. And I had been wanting to start boxing lessons for like mm. ever. Yeah. And I needed, I needed like some, you know, like. To get some anger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, and he knew I was a yoga teacher. So we talked about trading. Yep. 
he would give me boxing lessons and I would give him yoga sessions. Yeah. And so I went into the first session just like not even really thinking about it and honestly like kind of excited. Mm-hmm. And I could tell like there was some like like interest mm-hmm. on his part. Sure. But I was like, it's fine. Like he's married. I'm married. He has a baby on the way. Yeah. Like it's fine. Yeah. Well, then he started pretty hard pursuing me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like the first time ever that this has happened ever, because I, I was never, no one ever liked me in high school. No one ever liked me in college. Um, John was mm-hmm. the first person that I w- ever had as a boyfriend. And that was like really the only male attention that I had gotten until kind of later in my twenties when I was like a yoga teacher and then guys would kind of come over, but I, I never like did anything with it. Yeah. And as we've talked about in other episodes, like you, like you kind of like leaning into and owning your own sort of like sexiness. Mm -hmm. That was very like scary to you. Mm -hmm. Like that was like radioactive. Yeah. 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 Because I, I, I felt like John didn't want me to dress sexy. Yeah. Like he wanted me to be modest. I mean, he, you know, I had given him that boudoir book and he looked through it and then put it in a drawer. Yeah. You know, like it, sexually I was oppressed. Yeah. You know, he didn't want me to have the vibrator, then finally, you know, gave into it and then we used it, but like it was always kind of awkward and Yeah. So anyway, so um we'll call this guy Larry. Okay. <laughs> Um, so Larry started really pursuing me. Yeah. Saying things like, I'm really looking forward to seeing you. And I was like, I'm looking forward to seeing you too. And, um, commenting on my body. Mm. And I started feeling like, oh, like I'm getting some attention. Like someone likes me. And like, I wasn't attracted to him at all, but all of a sudden I was attracted to someone being attracted to me. Yes. Well, and that's that, like, now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have this sexiness. I have this sort of sexual power. Like, that can be, be very, like, intoxicating, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we ended up, like, we went back and forth, and I just noticed it started, get, like, it was never steamy. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, I want to fuck you or anything like that. Cause I didn't know even that language, you know, like John never wanted like pictures yeah, or sex or didn't know how to do any of that. Yeah. You, you guys had to be like, you and John had to be very like sort of sweet and loving and it was very vanilla. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very vanilla. Yeah. And, but he just, he made me feel really special and really for the first time in years. Yeah. And um, so I remember I started really catching feelings for him. Mm-hmm. He was really coming on really strong. So we met each other at the park one day and he was like, I like you. And I said, I like you too. And he kind of, he grabbed my hand and I was like shaking because I felt so guilty mm. and like I am doing something horrible right now. And he asked if he could kiss me. And I said, no, he kissed my cheek. And he was like, you know, trying to like ease his way into it. I said, no, no. And then I said, we can't talk anymore. Hmm. Like, this is not going to happen. This is not okay. Yeah. You had a baby. Like you literally just had a baby. You're married. I'm married. Like, this is not okay. Yeah. 
So I cut it off. Mm -hmm. And then I experienced a huge withdrawal. Yeah. Because it's like a drug. Yes. Nothing is more like a drug than an affair. Yes, absolutely. It's powerful. Yeah. And I remember I, I reached out to him or he, mm. he actually might've reached out to, I mean, he was very, he did not listen to my nose. Like he was very persuading, persuasive. Yeah. And, um, so we started talking again, which in a way is sort of part of the drug of like, oh my gosh, like this man is so attracted to me that he kind of can't help himself. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, which is sort of the opposite of how you felt with John. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, I am a horrible liar. Like I, I would like text him and be so like, not sly about it, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, we would kind of text every now and then, and I would just, I'd feel guiltier and guiltier by the day. Nothing had happened. And I was like, nothing's going to happen. And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm really like a really like him and I'm so disconnected from my marriage and maybe I do want something to happen. Hmm. And that day I had asked Larry if he wanted to meet up mm -hmm. and I, I was going to definitely like do something with him. Mm -hmm. And John noticed I got a text on my phone from Larry and John, John had met Larry before because he you were open like oh I met this guy at the dog park He's I was gonna do boxing I didn't think lessons. anything of it I, I think I remember like I was your friend at the yeah. time and you were like oh yeah I'm starting like you know these boxing lessons and I'm super into it and whatever he started showing up to my yoga class I, I think I remember that too you asked me he's like you're like who's that dude and I'm like I'm just oh, because I sniffed it out. Mm -hmm. I sniffed it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You and I actually had a moment, too, at the Big Bear Yoga Festival mm -hmm. where you said, what's going on? And I said, I really like him. Yeah. And I said, but I feel horrible. And I for opened up to you for the first time. And that was like our first like bonding yeah. moment. We also got really high. Yeah, that was fun. That was so much fun. Um, this is my traffic <laughs> on my people. There was a lot of like weird kirtan singing around <laughs> us while we were high. And we, Leanne and I were giggling about it a lot. <laughs> um, but one of the... So just to connect this to another thing that jumped out to me when I re-listened to my story part two is that you and John had a lot of like difficulty initially, like sexually. Mm-hmm. And you attributed that to the fact that you guys had had sex before mm -hmm. marriage. Yeah. Right? And so this this theme of, like, that you had done something wrong and now all the difficulties were punishment. You know, like, this, there's so much guilt and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I can just see that being so difficult at this time as you're, like, wrestling with this. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and another factor this, to this is I wasn't allowed to leave the marriage. I wasn't allowed to leave without being shunned by the Christian community. That's fucking bonkers. Because you can't just divorce unless there's a fair or abuse or death. Those are like the three things that like permits you to leave a marriage. And so and and so the idea of getting divorced not only meant losing the marriage, but like your entire community. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah. So anyway, so the day that I was like, all right, it's going to happen with Larry. Yeah. John noticed a text from Larry on my phone mm -hmm. and took me to a park and said, what is going on? 
Mm. And I said, we like each other. Like, I really like him. And I said, I don't know what to do. Mm. I'm sure I apologized. I didn't cry, though. I mean, I was so emotionally removed. And I, and I, once John kind of approached me about it and then he knew, obviously then things had to end with Larry. Mm -hmm. And then I felt a grief from that, even though Larry is so stupid. Like he was like, not, he was not worth any of this. Like he was just, he was just someone that gave me attention. Yeah. And obviously like not a great person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think he, anyway, I won't, I won't project on him, but after that happened, after being approached, I knew what was going to happen. I knew that I was going to go into a place of being scrutinized by the church because Larry, no, I'm sorry, John, my ex-husband would go to people that I knew for advice or to let them know um and so sure enough like i think it was either that night or the following night um the two pastors of our church both male Mm -hmm. showed up at our house and the three of them sat down and sabotaged me it's like it's like being called to the fucking like principal's office yeah it's like we want you to know that you're in trouble yeah that's fucking crazy. Instead of instead of John just being like, let's work on this. Like, we'll let's go to therapy. Like, we'll get support from our parents. Like, we we got this. Like, you and me. Yeah. But to his defense, I didn't want to be in the marriage. Like this, a lot of times, what happens with affair, and this was an emotional affair, is usually the person that has the affair is so remorseful and like begging and pleading for the marriage not to end. Mm-hmm. And I was the opposite. I was like, I want fucking out of this marriage. Yeah. And like, I couldn't, I was felt so much shame and so much guilt that I had done this to John and not even considering like, well, there was a reason. Yeah. <laughs> the marriage was emotionally abusive. Yeah. He was emotionally abusive. My therapist pointed that out to me like years later when she felt like I was finally ready to hear it because she was the one that did the counseling for the two of us. And then I continued to see her afterwards. And when I finally got to the point where I was like, maybe this isn't all my fault. She was like, Leanna, you were in an emotionally abusive marriage Mm -hmm. to someone who was really mean to you. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't matter in the church. What matters is I had the the scarlet letter. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, and, this, and this idea of like, well, now like they're going to show up and like figure out like who's to blame and like which person needs to change. And it's like that's not how fucking relationships yeah. work. Like, and so, I also believe, by the way, that both of you were terribly unhappy, and like even this thing with Larry, you know, like so, like the same way, like. If you have doubts and you just suppress those so deeply, then you have nightmares, mm-hmm. right? Like when that stuff is in there, no matter how hard you try to push it down, it finds a way to like come out, mm-hmm. right? And like Larry was like 
you, you know, like slamming the like ejector seat button, like kind of for both of you, mm -hmm. you know, like you had the balls to actually like, at least like take some action instead of just staying in this perpetual yeah. unhealthy, unhappy sort of stalemate. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the two pastors and John, you know, ambush you. ambushed me and told me basically you can't be on the worship team anymore. You can't lead a Bible study anymore. It's like you're suspended from school. You and John need to just be going to the church, reading your Bible, praying, getting support from your women and men friends in the church. Um, you need to be going counseling. They didn't like that we were going to a counselor that wasn't in their church. Mm. Um, and so we went into, you know, red alert mode mm -hmm. and we're in counseling weekly again. And my therapist, and it still bothers me today. And I, I think I actually told her in our last session, but she always said the betrayal that, that what I did was the betrayal mm. in the marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, it really bothered me. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> there was a lot of betrayal. Yeah. But anyway, so so that's what it was. Is it was it was basically John was finally taking therapy seriously mm. and trying to win me back after I had hurt him. Yeah. Because I was so emotionally removed, and to be honest, really numb. And like not myself and depressed and like I didn't want to be around friends. I was so distracted. I started like kind of some eating disorder tendencies again. Mm. Um, I began cutting myself. It it just got into this place like like my birthday party, the one you're you were talking about when I turned 20, 29. Um you know, this was, this was like a month or two after what had happened. And he was so angry with me that night. He thought he was jealous of you. Mm. I went over, you were with a, like a friend, like yeah. a date. And I went over and you and I were talking and dancing and all this stuff. And he left me at your place that night. I mean, there were other friends there. It wasn't like you and me, but I yeah. crashed on your couch because I got really drunk Picks me up in the morning and told me he hated me. Wow. I did not remember that you crashed in my house. I thought he left because we were at that, like, you know, swanky, silly place in Riverside. And I thought that he, like, left there and I gave you a ride home from there or something. But no. But I guess a few people came back to my apartment and we were just, like, drinking and dancing. And I think like you that. did give me a ride home. He, I think he did leave. But yeah, you yeah. gave me a ride to your place. Yeah, yeah. So I crashed at your place. Okay. And then he picked me up in the morning. Got it. And, and screamed at me that he hated geez. me. Oh. And then left. And I went to the dog park and I had another friend that I was talking to. And I was like, I think my marriage is over. Like, mm -hmm. I think this is over. And then came back. And for some, I don't know how we like kind of worked it through and he's like, we need to, like, let's do this. And we still tried celebrating our wedding anniversary on the 26th of October, which mm. was like two weeks after my birthday. Yeah. 
which was a disaster. Mm. Everything we did was a disaster. It ended in disaster. Now, because you said at this time when you get like ambushed by these pastors, you're like, I want out of this marriage. But it sounds like you kind of, I'm sure you were moved by this person you love taking all these steps to try to like win you back in a way. I was actually super like turned off and annoyed. Really? Yeah. But I, I knew I couldn't leave. Why? Because the church wouldn't let me. Like, I knew I couldn't go to my family and be like, I'm leaving John. Yeah. I just felt trapped. What would your family have done, you think? Well, we'll find out in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know, but like what you were thinking at the time is like, my family will disown me too. Yeah. Right. I'll lose everything. Yeah. And, and, And also, and because you sort of believed what they believed, which is if I leave John... This means that I'm a terrible person. Yeah. And I'm being selfish and I and I should just push all these feelings I'm having down and make the marriage work. Well, and I already believed I was a terrible person. Yeah. That's, Aww. you know, like I was the issue. Yeah. So, um, so I was trying to meet with my church girlfriends Mm -hmm. but it was very awkward and they just were like are you reading your bible and i i couldn't even open my bible like i didn't want anything to do with it john and i tried to go into church a few times i just felt so like cast out and like looked down upon and we stopped going and um i needed out and i needed another outlet Mm -hmm. so i found another gym that did boxing and MMA or whatever. And I'm like, I want to take boxing lessons again. Like I, Mm -hmm. I really actually wanted to do it, but I also wanted an out. Yeah. And I wanted male attention Mm -hmm. and I knew I would get some if I went there. Mm -hmm. So I found a gym in Redlands. Um, and I found a boxing instructor that I was not attracted to, not into at all. And I was like, thank God. Mm -hmm. And then I met the owner Mm. who was also married and um, we had an agreement that I would teach classes for him. And then I started taking jujitsu. And I was at the gym five days a week training jujitsu and MMA. Yeah. I had just totally like gone off the rails of being like, what? Like when I look at that part of my life, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be an MMA fighter, you know, but I just needed to be so far away from everything i knew yeah and everyone i knew and i felt actually like accepted by these people yeah i was good at jujitsu and like the owner wanted me to he was like you will win worlds when i'm done training you mm-hmm. and that was exciting mm. but um he started um kind of pursuing me but in a different way this time it, it was very blatantly sexual. Um, you know, there was definitely chemistry and I was kind of working at the gym a little bit and I was teaching yoga. So we were spending a lot of time together. And the phone call that changed it all was I went to this thing where he was awarded the black belt and all of the other people were there. So it was always mm-hmm. group setting. Okay. And he called me after I had left and said, um, have you ever masturbated to me? Well, that's pretty forward. Yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah, considering kind like... Kind of like out of nowhere. And we were like having a conversation and he was kind of implying like 
you know, I'm attracted to it's you. like a little flirty. It was okay. very flirty. And yeah. then at the end, he's like, have you ever masturbated to me? And I was like, uh, I was like, I don't want to answer that question. And he was like, well, do you want to know if I have to you? I was like so taken aback. And I was like, um, yes. And he was like, I have. He's like, I've masturbated to you a lot. And I've imagined you squirting in my face. Wow. I didn't even know what squirting was. <laughs> <laughs> so it it was, so then it just took off from there. And yeah. it was just, you know, that just opened a window, like Pandora's box for yeah. more. And then we would kind of have some conversations about sex. And then it would be like, well, why doesn't John ever do this with you? And it seems like you're unhappy. And maybe you should have like a relation you know, whatever. And which and, is interesting because it's like, so the drug, the intimacy drug is back yeah. now that affair, like, yeah. like that's like the affair is like the heroin of yes. the intimacy drug. Yes. And now there's this whole new element on it yes. of like sexual needs that never happened for me. Yes. And someone finding me so sexually attractive. Yeah. And there was just uh, some graphic texting and like, some pictures and it got to the point like where we knew we were going to have sex. Yeah. And I was really trying not to, but I remember being in my therapy session and I remember my therapist saying, Leanna, I feel like you're not here. Like, I feel like you're not with me. And I was just like, no, I'm fine. But I was just putting on a face like this time. I Cause didn't... you weren't talking about any of this with the no, therapist. with no one. Yeah. I was hiding in shame. Yeah. And, and this was just another, this was just like, now I am a horrible person. Mm. Um, and oh man, I, I just, I really, I really get sad about some of the things that I said to John during this time of just really just mean things to him. Um, and just some things that I did that are were really just very disrespectful. Um, and I, and I, I, I don't, it would be interesting if he ever listened to this one day, but I, I really like that stuff is painful for me to think about. Yeah. Cause even though he really hurt me, it, you know, through a lot of different things, um, he didn't deserve some of the things that I said and I didn't mm -hmm. deserve some of the things that he said, but you know, mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so we, so what happened is when my therapist asked me if like, she said, I feel like you're not with me. Mm -hmm. She said, I think you should go see a psychiatrist. Cause at this point I had been on the same medication since high school for depression. So mm -hmm. if you go back to my story part one, I had an eating disorder in high school. I was cutting, I had depression. So they put me on depression medication. I tried going off of it when I got married, yep. horrible mistake. So I was just on the same one. I was on Lexapro, same dose for years and years and years. She's like, I think you should go see a psychiatrist, make sure your meds are all whatever. So, <laughs> so I go see a psychiatrist and he has me fill out this like form and in, 20 or 30 minutes, he told me that I have bipolar disorder. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, 
And it was just life. It was shattering. Mm. Because I was like, oh, yeah, I really am a fucked up person. Mm. Like, I'm making these decisions. And now I'm, like, mentally unstable. Mm. And, like, what does this mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, I was so shaken and confused and and just... I was not, I didn't feel like myself. I hadn't felt like myself for months. And I remember like I went home and I told, you know, John and my family and nobody knew what to say. Yeah. And it was like, I didn't want to tell anybody else because I didn't want people to judge me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about bipolar I started doing like some research on it and we, you know, my therapist found out and like, it was kind of like in crisis mode. And once I found that out, I was like, well, what's the point of anything? Mm. And so just a few days later was when I ended up sleeping with that guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember coming home and just jumping in the shower right away and just thinking about what a horrible person I was Mm. (laughs) when I knew like it wasn't who I was and what I wanted to be So two weeks later, I was like, I have to get out of this marriage. Like, this is not who I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... I told my mom, I called my mom. I said, I'm leaving John. I can't do it anymore. And I could tell she was really concerned, but I felt her support. Hmm. And I went home and I sat down with John and I said, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And we went over to my parents and we told everybody. He was oddly calm. He asked a couple days later if I had had an affair. Mm-hmm. And I told him I had. And he said he forgave me. It was really weird. Mm. And then we went and had dinner. I, it was just like such a weird time. Um, but I knew the church was coming for me. Mm. I was so disassociated with everybody. All I wanted to do was be at that MMA gym. And um, I think I got a letter from the church the following Wednesday. And it was what I expected it. And at this point, my John had moved into my parents' trailer. So he was staying there for a while and I was at the house. And... Um, I didn't want to live. 
Mm. <laughs> I just didn't want to be alive anymore. <laughs> I didn't deserve to be alive. Hmm. <sighs> so, um, I had done some weird things, like texting some people of like how I was feeling or what was going through my head or, um, and I had some friends really concerned and had me call my therapist and basically everyone it had a, gave me an intervention was like you need to go check yourself into the hospital yeah so i drove down with john and my mom and went to the beaver medical center or no sorry behavioral medical center mm -hmm. um and i walked in and i just i just was a zombie and I remember being in the room with the psychiatrist who was checking me in. And the first guy that kind of talked to me was like, I think she's fine. And then the next woman who came in, she was like, she's not fine. Mm -hmm. And so I was checked in. And I was scared because I just like, it was lonely and shameful. And yeah. they put me in the quiet room because there was no other room. And I just, the quiet room is like, there's no windows. Like they put people in there that are screaming. Mm -hmm. There was no other beds. There was no other room. So they put me in the quiet room and there was just this one bed on a thing of steel in the middle of the room. And all I had was my toothbrush and that bed. And I just stayed awake all night, just sobbing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just look back at that time and I just don't even know how I made it through that. Yeah. I remember my sister came and visited me. My mom and John came and visited me. And John, while I'm in the fucking psych hospital, said he was going to need all of my passwords to my laptop and my phone. And I said, no. Mm. And he stormed up and walked out. Mm. And I called him and apologized. I, um, I remember laying, they finally moved me to like another room. And I remember laying in the bed not knowing how to like survive. And I just remember, I just knew Jesus was there holding my hand. Mm -hmm. He was the only one. Yeah. No one from the church came and visited. When I was discharged, it just felt taboo. Like it felt like nobody wanted to talk about it. 
and John had blocked me. Mm. I couldn't get a hold of him. He said that I could email. Mm. And he basically cut me off at that point. Yeah. And um, he was like, if you don't file for a divorce, I will. It was a really great thing to do with someone who's like wildly sick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was the next couple months, like something happened with the man at the gym, I think, like the, like Jesus, thank God intervened and something happened where he cut me out. And like, then I was like on we watch for a weekend to make sure I didn't go through with anything. And, but that was like the best thing that could have ever happened is just being, you know, never being able to go back to that place. Cause he was really a horrible, horrible person. Mm -hmm. Ironically reached out to me like a month ago. Jesus. I told him to go fuck off. <laughs> Good. Basically. Um, but I just, at that point, it was just like, okay, I don't have my church friends anymore. I didn't want to upset my mom. My sister was there for me. My dad wasn't speaking to me. Everybody was team John. Yeah. And I remained in a manic stage of bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, and was like started kind of sleeping around with people that I just, we filed for divorce. We put up the house. I found a place to live. I was, you know, they were trying different medications with me to try and find the right medication so that I would get better. I didn't even know what any of that meant. All I knew is like, I was broken. Yeah. And I remember the day that I felt a switch in the chemical balance of my brain. And I remember that day being able to see more clearly, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I reached out to John and I was like, can you, can we talk? Like, I just, I, I feel like I'm changing and I feel like I'm healing and I'm getting better. And he wouldn't. Yeah. He didn't want to see me. And there, you know, like everybody, like I'm not, I think that's what he needed to do for himself. But what's frust, what's sad about that is I stood by him for 10 years by every shitty thing he did to me. Yeah. And I am in the sickest and most vulnerable place of my life. And he abandoned me even as a friend. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just, from there, it was just like, I just had to take it like month by month. I was spending a lot of money. I was drinking a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hadn't really heard anything from the church. And then one day I get a letter in the mail. Mm. And I knew it was coming. Um, we're going to read you like some of it. Yeah. You want to grab your phone? Mm -hmm. um, 
three, the women that I was in a relationship with at the church, each of them came to me separately and tried to listen to me and then basically be like, you need to go back to John. And I didn't. And um, so I'm just going to read, I'm not gonna read the whole letter, but I'm going to read you some of it. So the letter says, um, we are deeply saddened that you have not responded to our efforts to love you as we have called you to turn from your sin and selfishness back to Jesus Christ as your life, hope, and love. Hmm. Um, it says, through a course of events culminating in February, it was revealed you were guilty of progressively abandoning your husband, which included the sin of adultery, and have refused to turn back to Christ for truth and life. Um, you refused to listen to these people that came to you. Basically, that these women had confronted me in love, and I'm refusing to go back and get the help. What does repentance look like for you at this point? Um, that God would grant me the grace to repent and basically come back to the church. Um, if I refuse to repent, seek restoration and submit to Christ and his people for your care, we will no longer be able to affirm your profession of faith in Christ and will begin to treat you as an unbeliever. Jeez. What does it mean practically for us to treat you as an unbeliever? We will remove you from the community of God's people, the church. You will not be allowed to take partake in communion. That's wild. Um, while, <laughs> while this may sound harsh and perhaps cruel, we assure you it is not. <laughs> well, if you assure Are you us. Are fucking kidding me? Uh, the amount of harm these toxic pieces of shit are doing in churches just like this all over the place this is unbelievable this is unconscionable jesus rules over all including the flesh the world and satan as the ruler of all god uses even satan the one who seeks our destruction as a means to save and sanctify his people Leanna, if you are removed from the church, we will ask the members of this church to continue to pray for you so that you would turn back to Christ. We will instruct our members that they are not permitted to interact with you, pretending everything is okay. <laughs> it's just... And this is the final sentence. Liana, please know we love you and desire for you to experience the joy of your salvation in Christ. Seek the Lord for wisdom and grace. Seek Christ for he is calling you to come to him in the midst of your pain, your weariness, and your confusion. Hmm. I swear there's a there's a sentence in there about sending me back to to Satan, but I can't. Oh, here it is. The elders will no longer be responsible for your soul, but we will prayerfully hand you over to your flesh, the world, and Satan. What the fuck? 
This is why this shit makes me so angry when we talk about like this really regressive. I mean, this is like when people use the term like the American Taliban as like the sort of very like right wing wing fundamentalist church. Like mm-hmm. this is what this is. Like yeah. this letter is a threat. They're threatening you. Mm-hmm. And it's this fucking toxic mind fuck like emotional terrorism of like well we love you as long as you conform Mm -hmm. as long as you deny who you are and what you feel and what's true for you and just only obey Mm -hmm. and conform to what we say and what we believe Mm -hmm. that's fucking that's that's spiritual trauma yeah that's trauma oh yeah i mean i got that letter and and felt suicidal yeah. I mean, I had all I had been suicidal for months. Yeah. On and off. I mean, I had written suicide notes and mm. thought about ways that I wanted it to happen. I was drinking a bottle of wine almost every night. I was sleeping with people I didn't want to sleep with. I was spending a shit ton of money. I mean, I was in a fury of like manic. <laughs> Yeah. I was so sick mm-hmm. and nobody visited me, asked if they could bring me some soup. Yeah. Like reached out and asked me if I needed like mental health support. Nobody did any research on bipolar, like nothing. Yeah. And I emailed that letter to John. I said, are you a part of this? And he was like, I didn't know that they were going to do this. Mm. So he actually went to them and met with them and said, hey, she actually did reach out to see if I would reconcile, to see if we could talk. Mm -hmm. And I said, no. Did I receive an apology? No. Oh, from these motherfuckers you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Because they said they were wrong. Yeah. I did actually reach out. Not that any of that matters and not that any of that is their fucking business yes 100 percent, yes and i if any of you are listening at that like that were a part of that like shame on you yeah like shame on you for for basically like being like here's a gun liana yeah you know you're not a christian anymore so do with it what you want yeah oh my friend i i don't know how okay i don't want to jump the gun but the way that letter is framed is that um, you're the problem and you have these defects in you and, you know, ignore everything that you feel and believe in whatever and just obey and conform to what we think. And I don't know where you are now, but to me, the way, the way I see that, like your behavior at that time even, including the affair is you're not, Liana is not the problem. You're not a bad or defective person. Like, the problem was actually, like, years of tyranny, Mm -hmm. right? Of, like, oppression and, like, unhealthy, like, brainwashing. They told you to deny who you are. And it was sort of like a bumpy road, but the real you, and I would even say like your God nature, 
like had to come out of that cage somehow and it fucking like broke some shit on its way out you know what i'm saying like the the pro like all of the problem behavior is not your fault I don't know. How do you see it? Well, I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but it's very common for someone to have their first manic episode of bipolar disorder around 29. Hmm. Um, don't quote me on that. I think that was just told to me by someone, mm-hmm. like a professional. Um, yeah. and, and it's also common for something like that to come out after trauma. Yeah, of course. And my whole marriage was traumatic. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I just wanted to be loved and accepted for who I was. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, this is why you guys have heard these stories of me, like, just having really, like, oversensitive responses to these men because it's all like this deep trauma that's stored in me of abandonment from so many different people. Yeah. The church, John, my father. Yeah. You know, like we're good now. Like we're, you know, my dad is, we kind of talked like a couple months later. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really talk about it ever Mm. you know and a couple other people came around and kind of reached out to me and then once i told them the story they were like oh okay you know i see your side of it but i just i went into this place of like just trying to figure out like who i was and i was i was still meeting with christian people and i was telling them my story looking for validation that they were like you're still to be just be like you're still a christian Mm. like this wasn't all your fault like you don't need to be in shame and like you're fine yeah. And I didn't get that from anyone. Wow. And um, I just, I lost so much in such a short span of time. Mm-hmm. And then I spent a year or two years, like, just trying to literally keep my head above water. Yeah. And, like, dealing with things that I had never dealt with and... Still, you know, trying to find the right medication and spending over five, six hundred dollars on therapy every month. And, you know, I just I just look back at that time and don't recognize myself. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, I'm I'm so grateful for who I am today. But I don't know that I would ever want to go through that again. Of course. You know, and um, I I did reach out to John a couple more times. Mm-hmm. I said, I really want to talk. Like, please, like, can you talk to me? And he said no. Mm-hmm. And he had moved on pretty quick. He found yeah. someone. And they're, they're married now. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, you know. Yeah. Like, it's... I don't have... I don't have any... Like, if I saw him in person, I would be like, hey. And then he, I 100% he would, like, walk away. Yeah. You know, because I, I I don't know how he feels, but what I do know is he doesn't know half of this. Yeah. Because he never asked. Yeah. And, um, 
Well, and it almost feels like he was stuck in that, like, really regressive way of thinking of, like, well, I did everything right. Mm-hmm. And, like, why is she doing this to me? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, not, you know, maybe not fully recognizing, like, the things that he was doing in the marriage that were damaging, too. Right? Because both of you were kids and you were tremendously unhappy. And so, of course, you're going to be hurtful to each other and it's going to do so much damage to both of you and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he thought. I don't know what he's how he would tell this story. Mm-hmm. I I do know that the type of person he is and what I've seen is he probably hasn't done a lot of work on it. Yeah. He probably has just stuffed it down. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe he went to therapy and you mm-hmm. know, I hope that I really hope that he and his wife are happy and yeah. um you know, it was like really hard when I first saw that they had gotten engaged, but now I'm like, whatever, like, I don't want to be up with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Cause that was going to be one of my questions is, so I being your friend over these years since, you know, all of this happened, have watched the way that you think about this time in your life mm-hmm. and what happened and the way you understand it has changed. Mm-hmm. So there was a time when what you felt was like, I remember you saying to me a few years ago that like you, you know, were very sick at this time and you did things that hurt, that harmed your marriage and that you still felt like you wanted to be married to John and you still felt guilt for like, cause you were the one who messed it up. Mm-hmm. But you were also sort of upset at him for, like, not taking you back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember saying to you at that time, I'm like, Leanna, you were not in a happy marriage. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm just curious, like, where are you now with how you understand what happened at that time? Like, do you, st- like, because I assume from the way you're telling it today, like, you don't, you know, you just said, like, you wouldn't go back because you know that that mm-hmm. wasn't the right thing. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I am really glad that we aren't together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I wish he would have had the courage to stay around and just be there for me as a friend, like, yeah, you know, just to support me in like, just a supportive way, like whether that's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's really selfish of me to even want that because I I also understand he was hurting so much and I was still, you know, like wanting to be with other guys. And I mean, I just, you know, I just, I just felt so abandoned. Yeah. And part of it was like, like when someone has cancer, Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone comes in support. Yeah. They're donating money and bringing you meals and partners aren't abandoned, you know. Yeah. And my sickness was a very, like, prevalent sickness. Yeah, debilitating, yeah. And um, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't even know what was in it. I didn't even know I was in a manic stage until my therapist told me months later. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know what a manic was. Yeah. Um, so, do, so you, so today 
2022, do you identify as a person living with bipolar disorder? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm on, I'm on lithium, Mm -hmm. another medication. And, um, I still do have small bouts of manic that are very manageable. Um, but I know that they're there when I'm not sleeping, when I'm, um, you know, just wanting out. Yeah. Like of my body, like wanting to eat out all the time and shop and with money I don't have and, you know, like find guys and I can just tell like, I, I can reel it in now. Because mm. you it, can like be sell, you can I'm be like, very oh, aware I, I feel what, what this is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then I also have depressive episodes where mm. I'm really depressed and sad and I sometimes still have suicidal ideations and mm. um, I have cut myself a few times in the last year and... Um, you know, I constantly think about food and what I'm eating. And I mean, I just, it is, it is a big part of my life. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know why it feels so scary to share that. And I think it's just because there's a stigma to it, you know, that like, oh, she's crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's everything that I feel is heightened. Mm-hmm. So when some guy ghosts me, my low is really low. Yeah. And when some guy is love bombing me, my high is really high. So I crash and burn so hard. Yeah. And that and I just I can't get out of bed. I can't leave my room. I don't want to talk to anybody. I mean, it's just debilitating. Yeah. And it just it's hard. It's and it's and it's something I will deal with for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, and you know, I I feel like I'm on a good medication dosage. Yeah. We go up and down sometimes depending on what's needed. But I really like my psychiatrist, and um, you know, obviously, like I work out and. The Hashimoto's diagnosis was actually a good thing because now my thyroid is doing better and that also can have, you know, affect mood and anxiety and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, all of those things too. But it's, you know, I used to say I'm bipolar. Yeah. And then I remember a therapist corrected me. She said, you're not bipolar. You have bipolar. Yeah. And so I, I don't, I don't go around my day thinking about, I have bipolar. Yeah. I have bipolar. I just go around my day doing me. Just being you. Yeah. And then every time I take medication or accidentally miss medication or don't know if I take medication because I'm so ADHD, um, or have a low yeah, or feel out of control, then I remember. Yeah. You know, but, um... I remember I had one phone, one more phone conversation with the pastor of the church because one of my friends who was a Christian woman, whose husband is a doctor, I shared with her and she read the letter and she was furious Mm -hmm. and she submitted a letter to them telling them what an awful thing that they had done. Oh, that's wonderful. And... Then her husband went and met with one of the pastors. The main pastor wouldn't meet with him. Then he calls me because he wants to talk. The pastor or the husband? The pastor. Okay. And says, 
what's going on here? Why are you telling? Basically, why are you telling people that we kicked you out? Are you fucking kidding me? No. And I said, because you did. And he goes, we never said you're not welcome here. You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, you never apologized for sending me that letter. He would not apologize. Yeah. He was very harsh. I said, have you done any research on bipolar disorder? And he goes, actually, we have. And the person we've talked to said that, um, said, what did he say? He said that you're still really lucid if you have it. Oh, fuck off. And when he said that, I lost it. I just was sobbing. And he said, well, can I pray for you? No. I hope you said no. I Oh, I did. I said no. And then I like hung up. And then that woman just held me. It's, it just is so sad that like my entire life of growing up in the church and my identity being a Christian and all the devotional as I did and reading the Bible and all the service that I did for the church and everything that I sacrificed and who I was And I go through a time of my life where I needed people the most ever in my life. And everyone said, nope. Everyone said, like, this is your fault. Repent. You deserve this. Like, whatever. Which is the opposite of everything Jesus told us to be like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Is, like, like, we know you're hurting. But this is your fault. This is yeah. You broke the rules, and so you we're did not this on yourself. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like this this idea of you know a- turning any religion, but especially like the messages of Jesus, like like the teachings of Jesus Christ, into conform, obey, be you know like there are certain people who are good and certain people who are bad, and you must do these things to be good. Otherwise, you're bad, and then we don't give a shit about you, and we want to spit on you or whatever. Like that's. It's the opposite. It's the op- it's and it's so poisonous and toxic and damaging and it mm-hmm. hurt. It kills people. It mm-hmm. kills people. It almost mm-hmm. killed you. Mm-hmm. It almost killed you. You know. So, when we interviewed, when we were talking to Jennifer, the grief medium, mm-hmm. she sort of started kind of feeling some of what was happening with you and asked if you had forgiven John. Mm-hmm. And like, where do you think you are with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I have no anger towards him. Mm. I, I am sad sometimes yeah. by his actions. Um, but I, I have nothing but happy, hopeful thoughts for him and his wife and kids someday if he has any and, wouldn't freak out if I ran into him. Like there's none of that there for me. Okay. Um, and honestly, even it's so interesting. Actually, one of these women, um, reached out to me recently and apologized like a very heartfelt apology. And then I ended up running into her just a few days later. Really? And she like almost cried seeing me. And Jess was like, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Like, we left that church. Like, it was like a cult. Yeah. And, um, and I, 
I even, you know, I have seen the pastor and his wife before and I've said hi and they do not barely look at me. Well, good, because you should be a reminder of how ashamed they should feel of themselves mm -hmm. for what they did. Um, okay, and then when Jennifer was talking and asking about if you'd forgiven John, I brought up and asked if you have forgiven yourself. <laughs> um, I still struggle with that. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's stuff like this, you know, it's been six years. Yeah. And I struggle with the shame still sometimes, mm -hmm. which is why I have waited so long to share this story. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think that I am very close. Like I, I think I've forgiven myself and then sometimes I forget that I've forgiven myself yeah. and then I have to forgive myself again. <laughs> yeah. Like I think it's a journey, Absolutely. you know, and, um, you know, I'm doing some, like, I'll tell you guys about this next time, but I'm doing like some inner child work with healing from my father mm. and, um, some like trauma yoga kind of stuff. Yeah. And, but it's just, it has been, it, I, oh, I went through fucking hell. Yeah. It was the worst time of my life. I would not wish it on anyone. Yeah. Um, but I'm who I am today because of it. And I'm here like sharing this with you guys. And if it helps anyone in any way, like I hope it does. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I think it's really such a tremendous act of strength and bravery and, and uh, like sort of that you would kind of put this out there to give to the world, you know what I'm saying? To help other people. Um, what I, you know, when you talked about being in the hospital and in the quiet room and feeling kind of Jesus, like holding your hand, see, I think if you, if you asked him, he would put, he would take your face in his hands and he would be like, oh, like my child, like there's nothing to forgive. There's nothing to forgive. You didn't do anything wrong. You were doing the best you possibly could. And you were in so much pain and suffering. And that pain and suffering was not your fault. And there's nothing to forgive. <laughs> Thanks, Brent. <laughs> it, so, and, you're very welcome. I also feel like knowing your family somewhat, I don't know if they've you all have any had any big conversations about this, but I, I can also in some ways see their journey, which was being a big part of that belief system at that time. And then kind of at that time, it was like, oh, like Leanna's the problem. And now maybe this is my projection or whatever. I feel like you've help them sort of grow and evolve a little bit to be like, oh no, this belief system was the problem. Like this belief system was too small to deal with like whatever this situation is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that my mom and, and sister ever felt that. I, yeah. I, my mom is so kind and forgiving and she loves us so much. And yeah. you know, she was there for me and very concerned. And I like hated the pain that I put on her. And my sister was also very supportive. That's really when she and I started getting close was, yeah. you know, um, at that time. And, um, 
But I think we all have that understated, underlying, you know, like, faith, like, gutted into us mm-hmm. of, like, what the Christian church d- wants us to do or how to be or how to act yeah, or anything. To and, follow all the rules. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah. How do you feel right now? I feel good. I mean, I I didn't know if I was going to share some of those details, but I'm glad I did because I think they're important. Um, I'm trying to think if they're... I guess, I guess just to kind of like wrap this up, um, you know, I spent, this is how I kind of like look at my timeline is I spent two years trying to survive yeah, like everything in me. And, and that was why it was very hard for me to break up with my therapist because she kept me alive. Yeah, that's she true. Did. She kept yeah. me alive. I had a, one of my neighbors who I really liked and we kind of had a friends with benefits thing and I was like really attached to him and he was like had an avoided attachment style. So we had really like some ups and downs, but he also kept me alive. Wow. I have nothing but love for him. Yeah. And I, I actually reached out to him recently. I was like, I'm so sorry for like dumping on you, Mm -hmm. like trauma dumping, like so much. Mm. And, um, and then you helped keep me alive. Oh, thanks for I mean, I, I remember you being at my house after like a yoga class one Sunday afternoon and saying like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> right. And like, I, you know, like my like sort of training kicked in. So I'm like, I asked you all the questions and I'm like, well, you know, when's the last time you wanted to kill yourself? And do you have a plan? And like all these things. And like, um, I was really worried about you for a while. And like, I was, re- you know, like. I was ready to sort of call the police if I felt like you were in danger because I would rather have you in the hospital again than gone, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're still here. Me too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well. <laughs> so I, I hope everyone who listens to this um, uh, reaches out to you and gives you some like love and support. and um, And I don't know, like, if people can hit us up and, you know, like, I don't know if people want to share their own stories or whatever it is, but um, I'm grateful that you um, made the really difficult choice to, like, be honest in this way um, with our listeners. So, Thanks, friend. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I know we're, we're a small podcast, but I don't care how many people we reach. Like, I, I know... Ugh! <laughs> Christ loves it. I know that the universe and God and whoever you believe in, like, this is going to touch who it needs to touch. Absolutely. So, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, and this is, this is what healing looks like, right? Is doing the sometimes scary thing of, like, sharing your story and putting it out there to help others. And, like, and maybe in some way it helps you. And, like, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to write a book. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Book coming soon. A book is coming. I'm going to be like one of those bachelor people. Look at me. I have a book now. (laughs) Is that going to be the title? No. (laughs) Look at me. I have a book. (laughs) That's actually kind of a funny title. That's kind of a good title. Um, Okay, guys. Well, we did all of like the... Stuff at the beginning. Stuff at the beginning. So it's always in the the notes too. You can go find us. Yeah. 
www.hellogobypodcast.com. Everything's there. Yeah. We love you so much. We love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Mm-hmm. We're so excited for what's to come. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.